turn with me tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17. We're having some technical difficulties tonight, so bear with us as we work through those. Technology is great when it works. When it doesn't, you feel like drop kicking it. That's how we feel. We feel like drop kicking some things right now. In Jesus' name. But God is good, isn't He? God is so good. I want to say thank you to everybody who helps take up slack on Sunday with my family and I out of town. Appreciate being able to minister in other places without having to worry about church at home. Not that I don't worry, but that I'm, or that I'm not concerned, but I have confidence that things are being taken care of, and I appreciate that. Uh, while, while we are turning to Hebrews 6, uh, the plan is for a large portion of the parking lot tomorrow uh, to be seal coated. Uh, that means blacktop to be recovered and make it black again, um, weather permitting, so on and so forth. So uh, we are not able to drive on it for 24 to 48 hours after that is done, and then, Lord willing. Uh, there will be some painting of stripes on the parking lot this weekend uh, in this main section. So if you get here, and the gates are closed or you see co uh, orange cones out, do not drive on that section of the parking lot. It will not be good and it'll have to be redone and it'll just be a hassle. So. Uh, Tonight, after service, we are going to be moving all of the vehicles that are on the parking lot over here on the alley side. Um, and so, it'll be a little inconvenient for a couple of days, um, and I will verify to see if it can be walked on um, after 24 hours to make sure that if you need in the building, you can still get into the building from this main entrance. You can exit the alley side. Um, anyway, our school kids are going to be going in and out on the alley side, and they will be the most inconvenienced as well as the Pinkertons, but uh, it's going to look good. It's going to look good. It's going to look nice. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. 
which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 19 says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. I'm going to preach tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost and with your help, an anchor for the soul. An anchor for the soul. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. In Jesus' name. God, we magnify your name. We give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you praise. God, I pray that your will would be accomplished in this place. God, I want you to move through me, in me, in this church, through this church. God, we exalt you. We thank you. We praise you. God, for you alone are worthy of all of our praise. You're worthy of all the glory, of all the honor. We magnify your name, Jesus. We give you thanks. Lord, you alone are worthy of my praise. In the name of Jesus. Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. An anchor for the soul. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17 says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Now we might read that and we might just think or might just get a little overwhelmed because immutability is a big word. We might just, yeah, we're just going to read it. We're just going to get through it and, and not really stop and think about what he is writing to us. He said, wherein God willing more abundantly or God was wanting that much more. He is so desiring to show unto the heirs of promise, that is you and I, that is the Israelite forefathers, that is the children of God, continuing down through generations and generations, showing unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Now when we stop and we begin to look at that and we begin to dig into that to find out what exactly he is talking about then you and I can find that the word immutability means immutable or unchangeable it is derived from two separate words that mean not and it means to change position so there is no change of position there is no change of form henceforth it is he is immutable or unchangeable he is unalterable you cannot alter him you cannot alter his counsel you cannot change god 
the immutability or the unchanging nature of his counsel. His counsel means to uh, deliberate wisdom or his decree. You look at it a little bit deeper in the uh, in the original language. It is a resolved plan. It is used particularly to describe this unchanging aspect, not just of God's counsel, but of God's plan. That God created specific words not to describe things around us, not to describe natural things, but God allowed the creation of specific words so you and I would understand that the ways and the counsel of God do not change. It is so described as purposefully arranging all physical circumstances. It guarantees every scene of your life. Every scene. S-C-E-N-E. Every scene of your life. Every moment of your life works to God's eternal purpose. This level of God's plan demonstrates that He is a God of history and He is always in charge. It's more than the unchanging plan of physical circumstances. It is the fact that His plan always includes the Lord's or everything in our life always includes the Lord's purpose in them. And so everything in our world, everything in our life, everything in the, the physical nature of our world and of our history revolves and has been controlled by God. So everything I've faced in my life, every circumstance that was or every circumstance that is a result of my actions, every circumstance that was or is a result of someone else's actions has got to come into subjection. It is God to come under the authority of God. I'm not preaching tonight to just just throw some words out there I'm trying to get us to understand tonight that it does not matter what you have faced in your life whether it's been decisions you've made or decisions that other people made that affected you I got to, I'm preaching the word tonight to let you know that those circumstances have got to come under the umbrella of God's anointing those circumstances have got to come under the umbrella of God's authority that it does not matter what has happened all things were made by him without him was not anything made that was made God is the creator and God has the power to work it for my good that means that even in circumstances that were not pleasing to God. Well, Pastor, you're preaching that the way that you're preaching sounds like we don't have free will. No, we do have free will. And we have the ability to make choices and we can make whatever choices we want to make. And we did before we came to God. 
But in all of those circumstances where we made choices that may or may not have been pleasing to God, those choices that may or may not have had harsh consequences, when I come into the presence of God, He said, I'm going to take all of those things, every physical, every physical sense, every physical scene of your life, and I need you to understand that I can work this for my plan. No, it may not have been God's desire for you to go through those things, but because you did, God said, I can work that to my advantage. I can work that for the advantage of the kingdom. It's got to come under the authority. It has got to be subjected to the power, the will, and the plan of God. There is no plan that is greater than the plan of God. There is no power that supersedes the power of God whatever is going on in my world has the ability through God to be used for the glory of God John 1 3 said all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made he is creator he is the only creator of the world did not just happen it was not an accidental collision of particles and even if it had been those particles would not have accidentally collided it would have been under the unction the hand the finger the thought of God He is a God of purpose. He is a God of power. And so you and I may not understand how things can work out for the good. But that's why we can look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and say all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. I can't see it. I can't feel it. But I'm tied to an anchor. God's the creator. I'm getting ahead of myself and has the power of regeneration. Webster defines the word regenerate as formed or created again. Its second definition is to be spiritually reborn or converted. But its third definition says it is to be restored to a better a higher or a more worthy state let me tell you folks when the Lord found me he had to stoop way down low he had to look at a pit full of miry clay of, of rotten sin and shame but when I came into the presence of God when I repented of my sins was baptized in his name and filled with his spirit I was restored to a better place. I was restored to a higher place. I was restored to a more worthy state. He took me who was not worthy and made me worthy. He took me who was not righteous and made me righteous. He applied his righteousness to my mess and therefore there's an anchor for my soul. He took me that was not sanctified and he sanctified me. He took me who was dirty and he washed me clean. 
Now, I thought even on a Wednesday night in an apostolic church, we'd have a little more excitement about that. He regenerated me. Restored me to a better, a higher, or more worthy state. In other words, he did not leave me where he found me. He didn't just leave me to wallow in my sin. Picked me up and he put me in solid rock. And then he said, if you'll allow me, I will establish your goings. Where you don't have to walk the same way that you used to walk. It hit me today in a, in, a, in, a, in a lecture that I was scrambling to watch. The professor said, she reiterates the story of the ten lepers. Jesus looked at the ten lepers and he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. When he says that, they're all lepers. They start walking. All of a sudden, they look over at each other. Joe, your skin's smooth. Joe, the leprosy's dried up. Frank, Sally, Sandy, Chelsea, Ruth, whoever. The leprosy is gone. You've been healed. But there was one who noticed that he's healed. And he turns and he runs back to Jesus. Brother Craig, what does Jesus tell him? He says... Were there not ten? Where are the other nine? You I'll make whole. And my professor said, how many people are sitting in our church pews and they've been healed, but they've not been made whole? There's an anchor for my soul. I said, there's an anchor for my soul and God is saying I want to establish your goings everything in my world has the ability to fall under the umbrella of the most high and it doesn't matter how dirty how ugly how unclean it doesn't matter how embarrassing the situation was God said I can work with that I can use that for my plan and my purpose it wasn't part of my plan for your life it wasn't part of my purpose for your life but you have been part of my plan from the point that you were conceived and before that in your mother's womb he said you were part of my plan and I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord psalmist in one chapter 139 in verse 16 says thine eyes did see my substance you saw my substance you saw what i was made of yet being unperfect you saw me when i was a mess 
And in thy book, all my members were written. God, my record was in your book, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God, even from before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew who I was. You had written record of who I was. You know the hairs on my head, so on and so forth. You've seen me in the good. You've seen me in the bad. You've seen me in the ugly. You saw me in the sin. You saw me in the problems. You saw me in the turmoil. You saw me in my shame. You saw me in my unbelief. You saw me in my doubt. You saw me in my uncleanness. And God, you still wrote my name in your book because you had a plan for my life. Verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. The psalmist is getting overwhelmed when he starts realizing just how committed God was to his well-being. Just how committed God was to his growth. Let me pause right here and encourage somebody tonight like I did on Sunday morning in South Haven. Let me tell you, God wants you to make it God wants you to make it God wants you involved in his plan God doesn't want to write you off God wants to help you up I'm overwhelmed how precious your thoughts are toward me how great is some of them Verse 18, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. It's not a dream. David's overwhelmed by the number of thoughts that God's having concerning him. That God desires to know and be known. God desires to know me and to, for me uh, to know him, uh, to be known by me. God wants a relationship with me. And that's why we can quote in Romans 8 verse 27, and he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Every time you and I pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God is praying for us. When I don't know what to pray, I start praying outside of myself. It's not some hocus pocus. It's the will of God being prayed over my life and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are the call according to his purpose he said there's an anchor of my soul there's an anchor for my soul and it can be found in the house of the Lord if you've ever been on a boat you put down the anchor that anchor doesn't move and the boat's got a certain amount of distance depending on how long that rope is. And the, the boat can move, but it's still tied to the anchor. And the waters can roll and the, the boat can rock, but the anchor is in a sure place. And if the anchor is in a sure place, then those on the boat understand that we're going to stay in this relative area. That's why I can understand and know all things are going to work together. I know that I brought a bunch of stuff onto the boat, but I've got an anchor in the water. And that everything I brought on 
is attached to that anchor. And there might be some storms that arise, like the storm that the Apostle Paul and his entourage experienced in the book of Acts. When the sailors start throwing things off the boat, sometimes i got to lighten the load. Sometimes i got to take the stuff I brought onto the boat and throw it out into the water. We see it again. where We see it first, rather, in Jonah, in the story of Jonah. And the men on the ship, they understand, i gotta, I gotta, I got to get this stuff off. i got to move the stuff off the ship. Times comes to lighten the load, lighten the load at an altar, lighten the load in a prayer room, lighten the load in daily devotion, lighten the load in fasting, I'm crucifying my flesh, I'm cutting off weights, I'm getting rid of stuff. I want to be more like Him. God said, there's nothing you brought on this boat that I'm afraid of. He said, there's nothing on this, on, that you brought on this boat that I'm afraid of. I know that the, 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 the earthly sailors started throwing stuff overboard, but Noah never threw anything off the ark. Because when I get in the ship that is designed by God, everything comes under subjection. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. That anything that I brought onto the boat, God can turn around and use for His glory. Hebrews 6 in verse 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or a strong comfort who have fled for refuge. We were vagabonds. We were refugees. And we lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Folks, there's still hope in the kingdom of God. There's still hope in walking with God. There's still hope in 2021 in living for God. You see, it's impossible for God to lie because God is unchanging. It's impossible for God to change His character. God has never been a liar and He will never become a liar. God gave promises to Abraham of which you and I are partially involved. And God has staked His reputation on the fact that He keeps His word. He has staked His reputation upon the fact that He is unchangeable. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The same hope that drove you or drew you into the church on your first service. The same hope that caused you to look at somebody and say, man, I need what they have. I saw hope. It, that's the same hope. That hope has not changed. The ship has not changed. The hope has not changed. And you and I can still grab hold of the anchor that is that hope. 
We are spirit-filled believers. And as such, we have a hope that acts as an anchor for my soul. That is that the promises of God are sealed with the word of God. That what he promised will come to pass. That what God promised will be accomplished. But I got to keep acting upon the faith in the immutable God. In the unchanging God. writer of Hebrews said it's an anchor of the soul. He's literally using sailing terms. There's no funny special meaning. He's literally talking about a boat's anchor. He's speaking in comparison. The writer of Hebrews is likening this hope to the weighted device that keeps the boat from straying too far in the waves and in the currents. And he said this is not just like a normal ship's anchor. This anchor is both sure and steadfast. It is sure, meaning it, that there is a certain security. There is safety. It is reliable and trustworthy. If you were to break down the root words, it means not. The prefix means not. The rest of the word or the root word means totter or cast down. God is not a weeble. Weebles totter, but they don't fall down. God's saying, I don't even totter. I don't even wobble. I'm a sure place. A sure anchor. He said it's an anchor that is built on solid footing. It is built on what does not totter, on what does not fall, on what does not slip. Uh, slip. So henceforth it is unfailing. Henceforth it is reliable. Henceforth it is safe. It is sure and it is also steadfast. Meaning it is firm. It is enduring. It's not just here today it's safe. That just living for God today is a place of safety. He said it's steadfast. It's continuing forward. Those original root words literally means it's solid enough to walk on. God did not save me so I could just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But when the salvation of the Lord comes, I got to walk in it. I'm moving in it. I'm walking forward in it. When God gives me revelation, I've got a responsibility to move forward in that revelation. It also means it is absolutely dependable. It is firm. It is unshakable. It is giving guaranteed support, guaranteed security, guaranteed surety. It is worthy of confidence because it is established on solid footing. What is fully secure, it is fully stable, and therefore can be trusted to give full support. 
It doesn't just give me support at certain points in my life. It does not mean that only certain sections of my past are redeemable. He said everything is redeemable. Everything can be supported by the hope. Everything I'll face, every circumstance I'll go through can be fully supported by the anchor of your soul. I'm tied off. I'm tied off to the right anchor. anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil literally veil of the tabernacle, that veil of the temple, that veil that separated at one point in time the chosen one who could experience God's presence and the congregation. The writer of Hebrews is saying, This anchor of my soul is found within that veil. It's found within the presence of God. You see, the anchor of my soul finds its resting place of surety, its resting place of security and steadfast, uh, steadfastness behind or within the veil of God's presence, within that holy of holies, that place that before others could not go, but now at the crucifixion, or at the crucifixion rather, that veil was torn so you and I could enter in. That's why the gift of the Holy Ghost is not just for a select few. It is for all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, how many shall he call? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Well, that's repentance. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. If I come to repentance, I've got an obligation to go on to baptism. Then Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not something you got to pay for. It's a free gift that for everybody that comes to repentance. That's why I'm thankful to be part of a church that doesn't leave me at repentance. It doesn't leave me at a prayer, but it leads me on into the full gospel, into the full doctrine of God that says our sins can be washed away and I can experience regeneration and honey, that's the anchor that I'm still tied to. It's in that place that used to not be accessed by common man before the crucifixion. But now it can be accessed by anyone who wishes to enter into his presence. Oh, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 20 it says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's not talking about a forerunner. As in John the Baptist. He's still using sailing terms. And he's saying Jesus was the forerunner. That means that Jesus was out in a boat. A smaller boat. 
in front of the larger ship who carried the anchor of that larger ship, the kingdom of God. And he had to use that smaller boat to get in closer to shore and break through the taller waves and the, the rougher waves because the, they were dwelling in the shallows. Jesus had to get out in the shallows where, where, not, where the big ship couldn't go on its own and he had to go up there in the, in the breakers and drop the anchor. He said, and he's a, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, which is why it was okay for Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, to be from the tribe of Judah and not the tribe of the Levites. Because in the Old Testament, the high priests were only from the tribe of Levi. But we find before there ever being a tribe of Levi manifest in the flesh through the sons of Jacob. You find in the Word of God where Paul is saying that the Levites, because they were inside Abraham at the time, that even they gave tithe to Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek was of a higher priesthood. An otherworldly priesthood. Having not father and mother. And he said Jesus is a, a member of that priesthood that surpasses ethnicity that surpasses the traditional family name. And Abraham, there's a heavenly promise that's in you. That's what you and I are part of tonight. That's what you and I are anchored in tonight. And Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he had taken that smaller that smaller uh, metaphorical boat and the anchor and he had thrown it out so then the ship of the kingdom of God was accessible to you and I. And in the greatness of who he is, Jesus is both the forerunner and the anchor. Say, well, I just don't know, Pastor. I just don't feel like I can do much. Let me tell you a little bit about anchors tonight. It only takes a 10-pound anchor to anchor a 19-foot boat. This platform from there all the way out to the front is 18 feet. A little 10-pound anchor. It only takes 14 pounds of anchor to anchor a boat up to 27 feet. And an 18-pound anchor will suffice up to 34 feet. A 22-pound anchor will suffice up to 42 feet. And a 45-pound anchor will suffice all the way up to 60 feet long. And then you find mega cruisers and so on and so forth that they believe that the, 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 uh, the anchor for the RMS Titanic 
was somewhere between 10 to 15 tons. But look it up in your own time at how many tons that boat was and how many feet long it was. Let me tell you, you may not have a whole lot to work with in your own mind, but God said if you'll drop your anchor beyond the veil or behind the veil in my presence, honey, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what it looks like. He said, I am well able. I am well able. I am well able to handle it. Let me tell you that physical anchors Here's the kicker, though. It's not just the size of the anchor that matters. It's the length of the rope. Because the anchor will only work if the rope is long enough to get the anchor to the bottom. The anchor is no good if it's just swaying halfway down. anchor's chain or rope length must at least match the depth of the water. So let me let you in on a little secret tonight. When the winds start blowing and the waves start rolling uh, and you feel like the boat is going to capsize, uh, the boat of your life and the boat of circumstance and the boat of situation and you feel, man, I'm getting ready to get caught uh, in this current and it's getting ready to, to wipe me out. It's getting ready to sweep me out to sea and, and I, I don't know if I'll make it. What you can do is you can walk into a prayer room uh, and you can start adding length to the rope you can take a look at your walk with God and you can ask the question is my anchor able to sink deep enough into the depths in this will I be confident God is my anchor he's the anchor for my soul but I have the ability to add depth to my walk with God I've got the ability to move from faith to faith I've got the ability to walk forward in the kingdom I've got the ability to grow in him Peter said Lord is that really you it's me if it be you let me walk on the water swings his leg out over that boat Jesus says come he starts walking on the water and his measure of faith in his God is bigger than the waves. When he gets his eyes off of his God and he gets his eyes on the waves, he starts sinking and he cries out and instantly Jesus lifts him up. You have the ability through calling on the name of the Lord to link with Him and a relationship that will carry you much farther and much greater than is the expanse of the storm. I have an anchor for my soul and it is an anchor that is sure. It is an anchor that is steadfast. It is an anchor that I can tie off to, that I can drop when I don't know where I'm going and I begin to lose my way and I need direction. I've got an anchor for my soul. I've got a God who is big enough to handle my problem. 
He's big enough to handle my circumstance. He's big enough to handle my culture. He's big enough to handle my world. He's big enough to see me through. I've got a hope in his presence. I'm closing tonight. Let's all stand. I can be confident because God is my anchor. And the same hope that drew me to God is still active. It is still active because God is unchanging. And everything around me is subject to Him. Which is why after Peter had gotten his eyes off of Jesus and onto the waves and he's getting ready to lose it and Jesus lifts him up and they, they walk hand in hand then on top of the waves back to the boat that Jesus gets in the boat and he rebukes the wind and the waves and the sea goes down flat because the storm that they were in had to be subjected to Jesus Christ. It had to bow to him. Why? Because he is creator. He is God almighty. And so whatever it is that I am going through, Psalm chapter 27 and verse 3, though in host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. David was confident that God's salvation would completely cover every aspect of his entire existence existence and therefore he had nothing and no one to fear which is why we can look at Romans 8 and verse 31 what shall we say the uh, what shall we say shall we then say to these things if God be for us who can be against us the anchor of my soul is Jesus Christ and he is able he is able to take care of everyone of my needs Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. I want to enter into His presence. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. I want to let down my anchor within His presence. There's hope in His presence. Peace in His presence. Joy in His presence. Safety in His presence. Regeneration in His presence. It's a place where broken things can be healed. It's a place where lives that are shattered can be put back together so much better than they were before. It's a place of drawing into His presence. And when I come into His presence with thanksgiving and I enter into His courts with praise, I'm, I've got the anchor for life storms in my hand. Why don't we lift up our hands tonight? Come on, let's seek His face. Let's seek His face. God, I want to be, I want to be connected. I want to be connected. God, I want the rope of my, my spiritual walk to be long enough 
God, I want the, the cable, I want the chain. I'm gonna see a victory of my walk with you the battle to be sufficient to you, Lord. for the waves, for the currents of life. I'm gonna see a victory. Gonna see it. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle. For the 